The lifeblood of any business, especially a small business, is the connection that you have with your customers. That's what's going to keep them coming back and what's going to build you a sustainable business over the long term. And the way that you connect with people is largely by being yourself or, or being that brand persona that you've developed for yourself, the, the person that you want to be, the company that you want to be, and letting that shine through in everything that you write. Hi, I'm Caitlin Pyatt, owner of Authentic Branding and Marketing, where I work with female entrepreneurs to brand, market, and grow their small businesses. I'm your host for this podcast, Startup Marketing. I'm a mom of three and entrepreneur, so if you ever hear little kids in the background, it's just my life, I'm trying to make this all work while I build a business. I worked as a corporate marketer for over 12 years, where I focused on marketing and branding strategy, along with marketing management. Often, I heard small business owners say they weren't doing any marketing because they couldn't afford to outsource it to an agency and they didn't know how to do it themselves. When I started my business, I knew I could take my expertise and my experience to help women thrive by teaching them how to create strategic marketing plans they could feel confident about and show them the tools to make managing their marketing easy and efficient. So if you're an entrepreneur out there who's Googling how to brand and market your business, you've come to the right place. The goal of Startup Marketing is to make all of my marketing knowledge accessible and actionable so you can take it and level up your business. I'm a huge marketing nerd and I'm passionate about sharing everything I know with you. This podcast is genuinely one of my favorite things to create. So get ready to learn about all things marketing. Hey, 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 welcome to another episode of Startup Marketing. I had a lot of fun with this week's guest, Angie Coley as you can hear right off the bat. Angie Coley is a heavily tattooed, colorful, in language and in skin coverings, rocker turned marketer with a specialty in direct response marketing and copywriting. In the last decade, Angie's work has made over $50 million in sales. She's worked with and written for some pretty big businesses and names, including Lowe's, Masterclass, Kevin Rogers, founder of Copy Chief, and Jeff Walker, creator of Product Launch Formula. She's also the author of the forthcoming book, Permission to Kick Ass, which focuses on showing creative freelancers how to hit the ground running with their business instead of getting stuck in a soul-sucking routine. Can I just tell you that Angie's bio is the most fun I've ever read? Seriously, if you're not pumped for our conversation just based on that, I'm not sure what else we can say to get you interested. Angie is going to hit you with so much great advice, you'll be scrambling to write it all down. Seriously, I am blown away by all of the amazing tips and tricks she has to creating simple messages that resonate with your ideal customers. Not only that, but she's like a super big deal. And she gave me a whole hour of her undivided attention. So get your pens and notebooks ready. Your minds are about to be blown. Uh, But I also have to mention, because I'm feeling super self-conscious about it, my audio quality has not been the best lately. Zoom has been so funky, and I can't not say something about it because you're going to hear it like right away. Angie sounds amazing. Maya needs some work and super frustrating. Not only that, but she was super cool about Willa hanging around and throwing in her two cents as well. So I hope you're cool with it too. Okay. Now your minds are going to be blown. I am now. Hi, Angie. Welcome to Startup Marketing. I'm excited to have you today. I'm excited to be here today. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Tell us a little bit about your background and what it is you do. All right. Well, I am a marketing consultant. I have uh, been a copywriter for over 10 years. So that means that I specialize in sales writing. I know a lot of people are like, copywriting, that must mean that, you know, the little circle with a C. No, that's that's an intellectual property lawyer, actually. Um, but if you've ever seen Mad Men, that's probably the closest to what I do. So I write snappy, catchy things, emails, promotions, and stuff like that designed to get people to buy products. And I promise I use my powers for good. I only sell <laughs> stuff that I really believe in. I, lo- I love the Mad Men reference. That's probably... A great way to explain it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So why why is having good copy essential to any business, but especially small businesses and entrepreneurs? Uh, Because 
The lifeblood of any business, especially a small business, is the connection that you have with your customers. That's what's going to keep them coming back and what's going to build you a sustainable, sustainable business over the long term. And the way that you connect with people is largely by being yourself or, or being that brand persona that you've developed for yourself, the, the person that you want to be, the company that you want to be and letting that shine through in everything that you write. So the kiss of death, I think, to any small business is fading into the background and just being generic and bland and forgettable. And that's, I think, a common misconception when people start businesses is to look at what everybody else is doing and try to, to sound like them. Yeah. But you could actually be shooting yourself in the foot if you try that. Sound like you. Yeah, I think that's... Um... That's one thing that I know I struggled with and I still struggle with a little, a little bit. And it's a because it's a weird leap I'm finding from corporate to my own voice. Mm-hmm. Because in the corporate world, it's even though you have, quote unquote, your own voice, it is often a, like a lot more polished and a little bit, it's, it's much more, I don't want to say professional because it's not that I'm not professional, but there is definitely kind of like this line that you don't cross. Like you are very sage and there is like nothing reprehensible. So it's a little, um, it's a little bland sometimes I think like, because you have to be very careful about missteps that could really land a large organization in hot water. And obviously you still want to be cognizant of that as an entrepreneur, but I forget a lot that like, I can just talk like myself. I don't have to like polish it to make it feel like a large corporate brand might sound. And I think one of the things that I read recently in one of my marketing groups that really resonated is that COVID and 2020 has done a lot to humanize a lot of big brands. And so you'll see a lot of um, big accounts talking, you know, now it's coming from the social media managers, the person who's typing it, it's coming from their voice and they've infused a lot more personality and it's going over really well, as long as it's not crossing some like weird line or it doesn't get too controversial, (laughs) but um, it's been going really well. And that that resonated with me. And I was like, you know what? I, I need to do that. And I kind of got to the point one day where I was like, I don't have time to overthink this email today. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't have time to overthink my copy for my social media post today. So I just typed literally like the hamster thoughts that were in my head and it felt so much better to me. And they performed better than my other posts in the past have. And I think it's because I finally just got to a point where I was like, you know, it's not, it's not perfect. It's not polished, but it's just very human. And I think that resonated a lot more, which makes sense because I am, I am one person and I am actually, I'm selling me. I'm not Mm -hmm. necessarily just selling my services. I'm trying to sell myself too. So I think it just what you're saying really resonates. And I feel like I've kind of experienced that. So. Well, you made a couple good points. So first of all, we have kind of a joke in the copy industry about corporate speak. Um, and, and you picked up on that. Like there, there's just like, they all sound like the same, almost faceless speaking as a, a group, group speak almost. Yeah. You know, this is the Royal we, this is what we think as a company. And that is true to what used to be in terms of the way business was done because business used to be hard to set up. You had to get all kinds of licenses, a storefront. Um, And now that you've got more, there's a lower barrier to entry. You can start a freelance business today if you wanted to. You just have to give them a compelling reason why to do business with you. And the why is you. Right. People like working with people they like. And I think that's what most people miss. Like it's no longer about putting on this professional front and like a business person to be trusted as someone wearing a suit and tie. The market, everybody, the mar- and when I say market, I mean like you listening to me, everybody out there who's in the market to buy something, whether you've got a small business or you're a consumer, it's more sophisticated. You're yeah. hearing people selling to you all the time and you need a reason to trust someone that you're buying. And just talking to them like a normal human being versus someone that's got this polished presentation that's slick and designed to persuade you, that really helps. Right. And I think it makes it feel um, 
less salesy too. And not sales is not bad. Anytime I, anytime I speak about my products or services, I'm essentially in like a sales kind of mode. It just makes it feel less um, slimy or less like you're trying to kind of trick people, which I think is when people think about advertising, I think a lot of times what they feel like, like it's a, sometimes it's a gimmick. Mm -hmm. And when I talk like the person I am, I think it kind of breaks down that, like, what are you trying to sell me kind of attitude or that feeling that like, oh, I don't, I don't know. This could just be something that you're just, you say it's really good for me, but I don't know if it really is. I think you're just trying Mm -hmm. to sell me something, make a dollar off me. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting thing. And that's something I butt up against in copywriting all the time is that kind of slick used car salesman mentality. And I can't really be a pushy salesperson like that. That's, that's something I hear from my clients a lot. And I say, okay, so do you, this, this product or this service that you've created, do you believe that it's going to help people? Do you genuinely think that you can help someone with this thing? Okay. All we're doing is making sure that they know just how much this can help them and letting them make an informed choice. Because I sell things that I believe have a purpose. And I think of my job, not to sell people or to close as many people as possible, but to find the people that need this and share it with them. Oh, I love that. And I think when you're doing that and you're doing it in a voice that's very authentic and true to who you are, that's where like kind of that magic happens and it stops feeling like that used salesman. And it really does start feeling like me telling a friend of mine, how much I love the new workout program that I found mm-hmm. because I'm just telling you why I really believe in it and why I like it. And Hey, I think you should give it a try. And cause I think it'd be great for you for these reasons. And, and that's really exactly. kind of what you're doing. And so when you do it in that authentic way that looks and sounds like you, it really just kind of moves, I think your business past that, that weird, awkward starting point where you're trying to sound like maybe somebody you're not really. Mm -hmm. And that's actually the trick that I have, the secret I've made at this point, probably over 50 million, I'd have to actually get out of a calculator, over $50 million in sales over the various businesses and clients that I've worked with. And the secret to my success is not a slick sales presentation or like, would you like to know how I could change your life? (laughs) It's not rehearsed. It's what I like to call the bar conversation or a coffee conversation. Mm-hmm. everything that I sell sounds like we're sitting at a table and I'm really excited about something that I discovered. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. I like that. I like that a lot. That's how I've tried to really approach as somebody who, because marketing and sales are very, they're very tangential. They're, they're not necessarily in, interchangeable, but they are very similar. And as somebody who's always worked in marketing, I've, I've always said like, oh, I would, I'd never be a good salesperson. Like I could never be, you know, I could never be the, at my old job, I could never be the personal banker that actually sits in front of somebody and asks them if they wanted an auto loan or a mortgage or if they needed <laughs> it or whatever. Um, but so that was a huge hurdle that I had to, to get over coming into my business. And I found that when I approached it in the But when I approached it in the way of, hey, I'm just really excited about this and I'm having a conversation with you about it, it broke down my own stigma about having to quote unquote sell something and really just made me feel like, hey, I can, I can do this and it doesn't have to be awkward or intimidating. You know, what's interesting to me about sales that I've discovered over, over the course of my career, I think the best salespeople are either you know, those, the pushy bro types that they basically don't leave you any room to think. And that's why they kind of prep the high pressure sales tactic that people that resist, but the ones that make more consistent t- sales over the long terms are good listeners. Mm-hmm. They, they know their product or service so well, they know all the benefits and, and how it can help people so well that they're listening to someone talk about their, their life, their problems, their business, their struggles, and they're just making recommendations. What I'm hearing is this, what I think can help is that. Yeah. What does that sound like to you? And it's just a discussion versus trying to push someone, push, push, push. I need money from you. It's a value exchange. 
Exactly, exactly. So obviously, as a copywriter, you know and you believe in the power of professional copy. But say, say it's just me, and I'm not, I, I don't have the ability to like outsource my writing to somebody right now, and I need to write a piece for my business, whether it's an ad or a flyer or whatever it is. What are the main components that I should include to make sure that I'm writing quality copy that's going to resonate with my ideal customer? And hopefully I know who my ideal customer is. If I don't, that's probably step one. <laughs> yes, that's definitely step one. Who do you help? Um, because all good copy flows from that and then it filters through your voice, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you start with who you help. Um, I'd have to say that as long as every ad answers this series of four questions or every email or your homepage copy, why you, why me, why this, why now? That's basically all you need to answer in every piece of copy. So like, why you, uh, you know, say it's a, a single mom that needs to buy a car. Why you? Well, because you need a reliable mode of transportation to, to help get your kids to and from things. You don't want to worry about being stranded while you're trying to take care of kids. Uh, why, why me? Because I have a selection of quality vehicles and I stand behind them. You know, I'm, I'm just making stuff up on the fly, so forgive the roughness of the analogy. Why this? I happen to have this vehicle in stock that I think is a great price that meets all the qualifications that you need. And why now? Uh, if you've got a vehicle that has left you stranded, then now is the time to buy. Right. Some, something to that effect. Um, and as long as you can string those together in a, in a bar conversation kind of way, like, I really think this will help you right now because this is what you've told me and this is what I have. Right. Then it's a lot easier than most people would think. And I mean, if, if you struggle to get words down on paper, what a time to be alive because we've got such great technology where you can just like speak into your phone and have it transcribed the way you would actually say it. And then yeah. just put it on a, in a Google doc and clean it up a little bit. And there's your message. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I haven't actually tried. I don't, um, typing things out. Like sometimes I will, I will talk as I type. Um, but I haven't actually tried. I'm going to try that speaking thing. It might actually just save me some time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when I'm in a hurry, that saves me a lot of time. And I'm a, I'm a fast typist. I mean, I've, I've been typing for close to 30 years at this point and then a, a professional writer for, for more than 10 years. But yeah, if I'm running out of time or if I have an idea on the fly, pull out the phone, record a voice memo or do voice to text in a Google doc on the phone and then come back and clean it up later and job is done. Yeah. Beats the blank page syndrome every time. For sure. For sure. So copy goes in a lot of different places in the marketing world. It goes on your website, goes in social media ads. That's right. It's always very interesting. Um, so there's, there are all of these different channels that it goes into. Are there similarities between them? Do I need to be writing things differently for my website than I am for my social media? Or does that kind of the four points that you outlined, does that translate pretty true to each channel? That's actually, that's a really, really good question. Cause I think when people approach writing stuff, they're often under the impression that they have to have some sort of different, fresh, brand new message every time they reach out. And the reality is that people are, as soon as they go online, they're bombarded with stuff all the time yeah. and they're not necessarily going to pick up on the message the first time. And that sounds like a, a, you know, maybe a minus as I describe it, but it's actually a plus because it means that you don't have to come up with new fresh content all the time. You can actually repeat and recycle yourself and be reaching brand new people every time you repeat. So there's value in having the same or similar or consistent messaging across, you know, maybe your LinkedIn and your social profiles versus your about page on the website. All of that information could be very, very much the same, almost exactly the same if you wanted to, to say, to save yourself some time and effort. Um, and then when you're thinking about the emails that you want to send out, you know, I, I created this series for my own personal channel on YouTube, uh, that was like six weeks of drip content. And when I can't think of anything new to record, I'll just figure out which one of those videos meets the theme that I'm trying to communicate in this email and I'll send them to an old video that was published previously, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, that's smart. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm not constantly creating new things. I'm trying to be strategic about when I've got content of value that I can send out again. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think too, and I think this statistic holds true the last time I, I Googled it recently, that it actually takes somebody an average of seven times to recall you after they see your ad. So they need to see you or hear from you seven times before they're like, oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. I want to, I'm going to look into, into that. Um, so even kind of having that consistent or same message, I think just sort of helps that recall when you're looking at new or trying to get in front of new. Mm-hmm. Taking contracts from me now. Can't have that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so if I'm someone who doesn't believe themselves to be a good writer, what advice, and actually, I don't know if you have different advice because I love the talk advice that you gave. I was going to say, what, what advice would you give me when it comes to creating written pieces for my businesses? I like the speak into your, you know, use your voice memo type thing. Are there other suggestions if I am just like, I don't think I can do this. Um, I would say, you know, the biggest piece of advice that I can give you is perfection is your enemy and it will stop you from getting anything done. You don't have to be the world's, you know, you don't have to be Stephen King. There's already a Stephen King. Don't try to be him. Don't try to be the world's foremost writing expert. Done is better than perfect. And if you get something that's imperfect out into the world, um, you can trust that your market will tell you in the interest of helping you. So first of all, like, there's always going to be haters out there. Do your best to ignore them. But when you're reaching the people that you serve and there's maybe a gap in your messaging or you forgot to include a link or something like that, people will just hit reply and say, hey, you forgot this. Or like, Mm -hmm. hey, did I miss something? And they'll gently try to help you. So that's, to me, how you learn to be a better, more clear writer is by putting stuff out there and then listening to the people that are reacting and trying to help you. Mm -hmm. And those mistakes always seem a lot scarier than they really are. I've done that more times than I would like to admit. Like Mm -hmm. I linked the wrong thing by accident or because I was copying, you know, an email that I previously sent out and I'm updating it. (laughs) Life is just chaotic right now. I'm sorry. (laughs) No worries. She's making me giggle with her chatting. (laughs) Um, you know, I've, I've linked the wrong thing or I forgot it or just, you know, and people, it always feels worse than, than what it really is. You know, like they responded and I'm like, oh my God, that's so embarrassing. And I'm so sorry. And they're just like, it's fine. It happens. I, you know, like everybody, everybody recognizes that like, you're not perfect. And that sometimes it just happens. You forget to connect something or you know your technology doesn't work quite right and they're like it's totally fine it's just we're all human and so it just never feels it's never as bad as it feels to you Mm -hmm. and so I I'm a big believer in the done not perfect you know until it comes back to bite me (laughs) (laughs) it it always feels like the end of the world but but something I learned when I used to I used to sing with a blues band um and there was this one song that always tripped me up. It's called Sweet Home Chicago. Uh, and it was on the Blues Brothers movie, if you ever saw that. But one of the funny things they do is during an instrumental break, they do this math thing, like one and one is two, two and two is four. And I would always trip up over the math and like forget the four because it rhymes with the next thing. And like, I would, I think one time I said one and one is four. And my harmonica player's wife looked at me and she started like flashing different numbers with her fingers, trying to confuse me because she was laughing at me. But she was the only one that picked up on the fact that I did the math wrong, that I sang the wrong words. And so I did that again at a different gig where I, I like something happened after the guitar solo and I was drawing a blank on the words next. And so I just <laughs> made up a riff that was like, I'm going to make up the words now and just kept going (laughs) and people were just out there on the dance floor having a good time nobody picked up on except my harmonica player's wife she always picked up on my mistakes but that was her but that's what I learned from that experience was just keep going like you know do your best to resolve the mistake and then move on because people aren't getting nearly as hung up on this thing as on this mistake as you are 
But if you stop and call attention to it, then they're going to notice. Right, right. Absolutely. I, I think it's just something that as, especially as like my husband would never get tripped up by something like that. I would think about it for days at a time. So I think sometimes it's just like as a woman, sometimes too, you just have to like give yourself that permission to be like, other people do it all the time. And it's totally fine for me too. Absolutely. Use it to do better next time, but don't let it stop you from doing it next time. Absolutely. So you focus on simple messages when you write. Mm -hmm. I think I know the answer to this. This question (laughs) might seem obvious, but why, why focus on simple messages and how do businesses really benefit from those simple messages? I think just because there's a whole lot of complexity in the world these days, you know, especially as a business owner, when you hear about strategies and go to market and marketing plans, and, and there's a whole lot of complexity out there. So it's almost refreshing for someone to hear from you with a super simple message that they don't have to think about to interpret. Like they just read it and they get it and it's really clear and it makes them want to take action. And they're almost grateful for that because they don't have to think. Absolutely. And I think too, so I guess follow-up question then something that I know tripped me up a lot early on as I was starting to talk about what I do and who I serve and all of those things. Like it was really easy for me to overcomplicate it because I was trying to communicate like, so many, so many things. And like, I just really wanted you to understand that like, I'm really good at what I do and I can really help you. And I believe in it. And even when I went through the exercise, because I got really good advice early on, that was like strip out like that industry jargon, think about it from, you know, your consumer's point of view. Like they know nothing about what you're trying to do and why. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's actually harder than like I thought it was going to be. So do you have, do you have tricks to simplify messages if I'm looking at it and going, there's no way they're going to understand this? I do actually. Um, one of my favorite tricks is, uh, one of my mentors calls this landing the plane, but I like to say, you know, if, if somebody had, if there was no dialogue allowed and somebody was watching this on a movie screen, how are you communicating what you do, what that transformation your product or service offers? What does that look like? Somebody's watching it on screen. If it's a dating product, you know, if you, if you teach someone how to, to get better dates, does it look like a happy couple holding hands? You know, if you're selling a sleep product, does that look like someone that, you know, an earthquake's happening all around them and they won't wake up because they're getting such good sleep? You know, that's, an exaggeration and it's kind of silly, but what does it look like when the person on the other end of the screen has purchased your product or service and gotten a result? If you can describe that, because I think the biggest mistake that I see newer business owners is they, they have something that helps everyone. And Mm -hmm. then they, they keep the description very high level. Live your best life, get more sleep, relax more. Well, that looks different for everybody. Right. Right. So if I'm helping working moms learn how to relax more, that looks a little bit different from helping, you know, digital nomads who are single relax more. Right. So if you can describe what that looks like and and imagine it coming through on a TV screen, what does that look like? That's really going to communicate what you do a lot more clearly. I'm, I am like making mental notes of all of these bits of conversations that I'm going to go back and like challenge myself to... Do you know to do my own stuff again? Because I think there's this is one of the areas that like I have struggled quite a bit in. Um, because I'm an over I'm an overthinker. So oh me too. Uh, <laughs> I've had to develop all these tricks to short circuit that. <laughs> right, right. So I am I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna try all of these things. Um, so I'm very I'm super excited about it. So we connected on the idea of authentic messaging. That's the Mm -hmm. name of my business is authentic branding and marketing. And one of the things you said to me early on is like, I, I do authentic copywriting. Like that's what these simple messages that are authentic, 
So how, if someone's struggling to feel authentic, how do they kind of get past that point and get into that really like authentic feeling zone? I would say, look, you know, take a realistic look at yourself and what you're writing and what you're putting out there and ask if you're putting on a mask. Like if you're putting something, a wall between you and your customer, or it, it's going to feel really uncomfortable when you're being authentic because you're putting the real you out there. And, and like I said, the haters are going to pop up in every business, but I, I usually say that the haters have way too much time and they don't have enough to do. <laughs> Like if they're, if they're being keyboard warriors and they're criticizing your advertisements and they're generally just trying to make you miserable, it's because they don't have enough to do and they're jealous of, I know that's overstated, but like, seriously, if they actually had something productive to do with their lives, do you think right. that they'd be spending it at right. the keyboard? <laughs> like right. Looking, looking for people to complain at and take down. No, I love no. that. So like, it's going to feel vulnerable. It's going to feel like I wrote a story once about uh, the, it's going to sound weird, but the crack pipe, no tell motel. And it was a story about how, uh, early in my career, I made the decision, the conscious decision to live in my car because I had this gut feeling that being in this particular area at the time it was Northern California was the place that I needed to be for my career to advance. And I, I couldn't explain what, you know, what I was getting from the universe that had me convinced that that was the place need to be. But I told this story, even though it didn't make me look particularly good. I lived in my car. I was struggling to figure out how to get clients. I wound up uh, finding the cheapest motel nearby that I could stay in. And it was a horrible experience. And I wound up begging my friends to, to let me stay on their couch. But the day I lost that apartment and moved into the no-tell motel, I signed my first contract for a part-time copywriting gig and like the answer clearly to me the learning the takeaway and all the struggle was trust your gut even if it doesn't make any sense to you so i i just told the story and uh i remember talking to my mentor about it and he goes i got your email this morning and i thought oh no this is it this is when she talked about hitting rock bottom and she turned to drugs and then i read the story and was like Oh, this is so great. It's going to help a lot of people realize that like the struggle you're going through right now is temporary. It's for now. It's not forever. Yeah. And I'm glad you shared that. And I was terrified. Like I said, it doesn't put me in the best light that when I, I didn't have all of the things figured out and I didn't immediately make six figures working on my laptop from the beach and all the Mai Tais, like it was a struggle. <laughs> oh, that doesn't happen. I know they're, they're selling you a bill of goods. It's going to be a struggle for at least six months while you figure out how to put all the pieces together, but keep going. That's the message I have for all of you small business people. Keep going. It's funny. It's funny that you say that because I have um, worried. I like, I, I, I spoke with someone recently where she was like, we have got to get comfortable with normalizing the journey of being an mm -hmm. entrepreneur. Like there are very few unicorns who make six figures in their first 30 days and are just in our millionaires by the end of their first year. She was like, it doesn't happen very often. No, you failure know? is part of the process too. Like failure is an event. It's not who you are. Yes, it really, and and I subscribe to that, like in my, in my corporate life, like I was very comfortable with being like, well, that sucks. It didn't quite work the way I wanted it to, but there's been this like guarded part. And, and this is a block that hearing you talk about this, like, I'm like, I, I just need to get past this and I've known it, but there's this block that I've had about like, it is a struggle. Like 2020 didn't go well for anyone. That's mm -hmm. not a secret, but I feel like I was like, man, it has really like thrown me off kilter. Like there were seven months where I didn't really get to work on anything. Like I, I lost my job about a year ago now. It's January of 2021. And it is hard work. It is a grind every single day. There are days when I'm like, I am scared. I'm not going to like make it. It's not going as fast as I want it to. I'm not signing clients like as fast as I want. And, and I'm so nervous to say that because I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to say that and have people be like, well, if you can't sign clients near a marketing coach, like, why would I, why would I work with you? 
but the reality is it's a very long process. Like it is, it's, it's getting there and it just takes longer, but it's so much harder because it feels so much more vulnerable to admit like, Hey, you know, I am, I am working to figure this out, even as somebody who knows how to do all the things, right. To get in front of their ideal customers, it still takes time. Even as a person who knows how to do everything, I, I still, it's still a process. It still Mm -hmm. takes time. And I, I can't make somebody buy the product or service. All I can do is show up consistently and authentically and have the confidence that, that's going, that strategy is going to pay off over time. Exactly. It will, it will come back to me, but it's so hard to admit that. And it's not, it's not fun to admit it to when you know, you've got other people watching you and waiting to see like, does it really happen? Is it it really going to be there? You know, it's, you know, the funny thing is that everybody tries to convince you that there's a trick or a hack or, you know, I'm, I'm reluctant to use the term magic pill because everybody's skeptical of magic pill, but we're all still looking for tricks. And the real trick, I'm going to give you, the, here's the secret, she said, ironically slash sarcastically. Um, it's showing up every day and doing the thing that you know works. And it works because you've got people that have gone before you on the path that have told you this works. Yeah. But on the days when you're not getting a response, you still do it. On the days that you're getting a response, you still do it. Mm-hmm. You, you commit to a certain amount of time showing up and doing this thing consistently and seeing what happens. And you would be surprised, I think, by the results. Mm-hmm. Like there, that's the secret right there, showing up consistently. And their timing is not your timing. No matter how badly you want or need the money right now, if they don't have the budget, if they don't have the, if I have a car for sale right now and you don't need a car, no amount of me badgering you to buy my car is going to work. In fact, it's probably going to turn you off. So exactly like you said, like I just show up consistently and I share with people what I have and who I help. And then that process of seeing me repeatedly over time. And here's the thing about consistency, right? It confirms mentally that you're someone to be trusted because they keep seeing you show up mm-hmm. so it doesn't matter whether you're not getting that traction right now keep doing it knowing that the consistency is going to pay off later on you're investing in your future putting a little down every day mm-hmm. um and that's how that pays off you just keep going keep working the system until it works for you totally totally so one of the things that i think we touched on this a little bit earlier is that when you first start showing up, it's really tempting to like mimic the people who have gone before you and that have been successful. Cause you're like, Hey, that worked for them. It's, it should work for me. But it's really, like we said, it's about being authentic and really being true to yourself. So how do you, how do you find messages that cut through the clutter? So for me, for example, I'm a marketing coach. There are lots of marketing coaches out there. How does somebody go, here's what cuts through the clutter and it stands out from every other marketing coach? Or how do I, if I'm, you know, someone who sells organic skincare products, like there's a lot of those out there. It's a very trendy thing right now. How do I cut through the clutter with my messages? Um, that's That's got levels to it. And if you're interested in learning a little bit more about kind of deeper level copy than hooks, is something to to look up and study a little bit more. Just kind of that really, and at a high level, it's almost the same as, you know, what a reporter would go through to create an article to get your attention. You know, they either take a bit of conventional wisdom and they they say, what you think it is, is not actually like that. Here's this new and interesting thing. So that's that's a tactic to get people interested. Um, and, and we use that usually just to get people to click through and read something. Yeah. But, that's just exactly what I said. It's a tactic to get somebody to click through and read the thing. What they're really going to resonate with is how you personally said it. And you're the only you on this planet. You have some experiences that overlap with other human beings on the planet, but you're the only one that has experienced it in the particular order under the particular circumstances that you've gone through. So when we're talking about a unique filter, like, whoa, You've got a completely different filter from me. And you could say something that I have heard a hundred different times 
from a hundred different people, but because of your unique perspective, the way you said it clicked right, and changed my life. It doesn't matter what those other hundred people said. It matters to me what you said right. and how you said it, because that was what made me get it. So, you know, in terms of cutting through the noise, that's why it's so important to be authentically you. Because, you know, when I sent over my bio, you said you were kind of chuckling a little bit, but like I am, I've got lots of big, colorful tattoos. I sang with a rock band. I dropped more F-bombs than I probably should. <laughs> I think I've been really good today. Um, and, you know, my, my whole website is called Permission to Kick, you know, the A word. You can say uh, it. <laughs> well, okay, permission to kick ass. I was like, I was trying to keep it family friendly there. <laughs> but when it, when you get down to it, like I'm a business and marketing coach mm -hmm. and that's what I do. It's just that I filter it through a rock and roll lens and through a, you know, I'm a stubborn so-and-so and I beat my head against the wall. And these are all my mistakes and what I learned from them. Maybe it'll help you. Uh, whereas someone who, who had, you know, maybe a dance background or a painter background, it, finding your authentic voice in, in the arts, in painting and stuff like that. We talk about mimicking. Mm -hmm. First, you learn how to paint like someone else. You copy someone else. If you wanted to be a writer and write like Stephen King, then you write horror stories like Stephen King does. And then you go, well, I don't really like this piece of it. I would do it this way. And that's exactly how you find your voice. You start, you start out by mimicking the other people, but then figuring out what you like to say and how you would say it versus staying in the copying mode so Ugh. it's good to start there but don't stay there yeah i feel like that's kind of the the point that i'm at i i knew or i know very well like how i wrote things when i worked in my corporate job and so i was like i am comfortable here at the it sounds professional i sound knowledgeable but i was always kind of like okay i know i need to change this because i it still sounds a little like too, too stale. And so I, when I made my analogy earlier, like I finally just got to the point where I was like, I don't have time. I just don't have time today to like overthink this email. And I think I even wrote that in there. Like I am a day late and I've got like three kids who are screaming at me for something. So I'm going <laughs> to write this email real quick and just let you know what's up. And I just like dumped it in there, spell checked it and was like, send. Yep. And felt good about it. <laughs> Done is better than perfect. Even if you're walking like one slow plodding turtle pace step at a time, you're still lapping everybody that's sitting on the couch. For sure. <laughs> that is very true. I like that analogy. So if I'm listening to you and I'm like, okay, this sounds wonderful, but I'm not sure that I want to tackle this myself. I'm a fan of outsourcing things that I'm like, this is just not my strength. Social media, I'd outsource it all day long, like, because I hate doing it. But if I'm someone who's looking about that or looking at writing the same way, how, how do I go about hiring a copywriter? Are there things that I should look for? Are there red flags where it's like, avoid that person at all costs because you're not going to get it? What, what advice would you give to someone? For sure. I think the best place to start in hiring anybody is reaching out to your network and asking who they know, who they've worked with, because you might be surprised who has had a similar project. And mo most of us in business are givers because somebody had, somebody turned around and helped us at some point. And we know that that is really one of the keys to success is, is reaching out for help and accepting it when you're asked. So I'll, you know, if I've got a resource that I think helped me a lot, I usually will pass that along to friends as soon as they ask, oh, I've got a great podcast editor guy. Let me make an introduction. Oh, you know, even though I'm a copywriter, I don't do much writing for people, for clients anymore. So when somebody reaches out and asks me about a project, I'm like, well, tell me about your project. I've got a few people that I know that I can introduce you to. Yeah. So your network is the first place to start. Some red flags to work out, to watch out for. Uh, somebody that promises you the sun, moon, and stars. Mm -hmm. Copy is no more a miracle than any, you know, piece of software that you buy, than any computer. Like, you cannot push a button and get money out unless you're at the ATM. Right. So, <laughs> it, anybody that, like, 
promises results, guarantees results, anything like that. Like the only way to get results is to put something imperfect out there and keep adjusting until you have a winner. So brace yourself for the reality that even if you hire a professional, professionals don't always get it right. We're not mind readers. We're not magicians. Yep. Uh, we do our best with the knowledge we've gained over the years. And sometimes we win and sometimes we lose. Nobody bats a thousand. Yeah. So that's one red flag. Uh, if they're really pushy to the point of making you uncomfortable, that's a sign that they're probably desperate for work. Um, and they might've overloaded. There's, there's a bunch of different situations, but like somebody that really knows what they're doing, they've got a stable pipeline. They'll probably ask you to schedule your project out. They'll ask you a ton of questions about you and your business. Um, and they'll really want to crawl up inside your head to the point where you're feeling uncomfortable, but they want to understand you so that they can write as you. Right. Right. And those, those are all good signs when you're hiring a copywriter. Yeah, definitely. I think, I like the, the AGM analogy because I think it's um, something that's becoming very prevalent, at least that I see on, on Instagram and Facebook is the like silver bullet, like just, just use my technique, use these prompts, use these things, you know, and I've like, I've invested in, you know, some low dollar things where it's like, oh, hey those prompts. That's awesome. I could really use some prompts for my stories. Cause I, <laughs> again, I hate doing my social media. It's just not, I just, just don't like it. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, yeah. It's for a variety of reasons, all just things in my head, but, um, you know, and it's like, all right, cool. I'll, yeah, I'll spend, I'll spend $25 and get some prompts and like, that's fine. And initially I was like, I have really high hopes. These are going to be amazing. And they're going to get me, you know, thousands of dollars. Well, you know, temper your expectations. I love the, the ATM thing is very, it's very true. It's no matter how tried and true they are for somebody else, it still really just takes your own, your own spin and your own time and consistency to really get it. Well, and those are all just tools and it's how you use them, right? A hammer is not going to build a house by itself. Right. Um, and, and you brought up a good point. So I was at a copywriting conference uh, in 2020, like right when everything was shutting down. Literally, we got news that everything was shutting down while we were at this conference. And I was on a panel. I'm on stage. And one of the, the newer copywriters asked, so how do you find clients? And I think there were like six of us on stage. And I, I happened to go last just because of where I was seated. But literally every other expert had a different approach. Some of them recommended live events. Some of them recommended cold calling. Some of them recommended Facebook ads. And when it got to me, I didn't give my preferred method of prospecting. I said, what I want you to take away from this is that everybody said something different. Mm. Conclusion that I hope that you're drawing from this is that all of these strategies work. It's up to you to figure out which one works for yeah. you and yeah. to keep trying until you find one that works, knowing that all of these things work. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is absolutely true. I had a guest on um, at the beginning of the month and he had scaled a, a bunch of different businesses, had been very successful. And, you know, so I was asking him like, how, how did you do that? What was your method? And he's like, I really focused on SEO. And that it's something I've touched on in the past. And I was like, I said something very similar. I said, you know, if you're listening, I hope you understand that like, there is more than one way to get this done and it's what works for you. This, this gentleman is talking about how he used SEO to grow and scale these businesses. I hate doing SEO. Okay. There are nope. things I love by the way. So I've, I've told you now that I hate social media and I hate SEO. There are things, there are things that I love doing and those are the marketing strategies, podcasting and being guests and hosting webinars and workshops and speaking engagements and things like that. Those are my preferred way of getting in front of my ideal clients and my ideal customers. And the takeaway is exactly that. There's always just because it works for someone else doesn't mean it's going to work for you. And there's always more than one way to get it done. And there's no right or wrong way. And I think anybody who makes you feel like this is the only way um, is just, is not being truthful with you. No, and it's just, it's another tool for your toolbox. Sometimes you're going to need it. Sometimes you won't. Sometimes you'll buy it and discover you only needed it for that one particular application. You never use it again. 
that's that's the nature of all this and you know like why would you set up your business to do something to incorporate something that you hate doing as part of it i'm never gonna cold call for business ever again not, i've tried it i hate it i cannot put my behind in a chair to do that and so i'm not making that part of my business i am you know what's worked for me is being on podcasts like this, hosting my own podcast, going to conferences and just having conversations with people about what I love to do. When I start geeking out over what I do every day and that passion shines through, that's when people are like, I have a project, let's talk. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I think you and I are very similar in that way. I like having conversations. I like talking. I, you know, and that can't come through in a cold DM on Instagram. Mm -mm. So like, I'm going to feel awkward doing it no matter, even if I used all of your tips and tricks, it's going to sound stiff. Yeah. It's going to sound a little like, oh, sorry to bother you. And no one's going <laughs> to, nope, I know, I know, no one's going to sign up for that. Except maybe baby Willa. Uh-huh. <laughs> She'll buy whatever you're selling right now. Yep. <laughs> so that's, this has been a really great conversation and thank you for putting up with everything that's going on in the background of my house. So plug yourself, tell us where can people find you, if they want to connect with you, where are you at, what do you got? Awesome. Well, you can find me uh, at my website, which is called permission to kick ass, all one word.com permission to kick ass.com. Uh, I do a Monday newsletter. It's kind of funny that you mentioned the, uh, the, you know, last minute email that you sent out last week talking about all the chaos. I usually send out a Monday newsletter called Kick Monday's Ass. Uh, last week I sent it on Tuesday because <laughs> sometimes Mondays are gonna Monday. Um, Mondays send, are 48 hours long. Yep, I, I send you a, a Monday newsletter designed to help you, you know, de- dose of positive energy, remind you that you can do this with some strategies and some tips I've learned along the way. Um, and yeah, that's my website's got all my social contact information. So easy, easy enough to find me. That's awesome. Thank you so much for being here. I genuinely have learned a ton and I really appreciate your time today. No problem. Glad I could help. Okay. Did you not walk away with like 50 tips you want to use to make your messaging even better? know I did. There's hardly enough time for me to get it all done, honestly. Angie's so smart and her advice is spot on. I hope you learned a ton and I hope you're just as excited about this week's episode as I am. If you are, please rate, review, and subscribe to Startup Marketing to help other women like you find this podcast. Until next time. If you are, please rate, review, and subscribe to Startup Marketing to help other women like you find this podcast. Until next time.